0: Often we humans like to take very complicated, complex things and, and, and boil them down into very simple models. And I, I think we all realize the peril in that, but is this, could this be thought of as we're all a puzzle, different puzzles, different pieces, (laughs) but we have a box, all the puzzle pieces are there. We just don't know how to put them together because we can't see what the puzzle looks like. I love that metaphor. I think that is fantastic. All right tonight, Megan and I have the distinct honor of um interviewing or talking with um the co-authors of a book called The Inside Guide. And the first thing I wanted to do, um, kind of to whet your appetite, is to uh, talk about a quote that was on their book um, from um, somebody that almost everybody on the planet knows, who is uh, Jack Canfield, who's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And he says, uh, Michael Di Pietro and Marcy Donnelly have written what I consider to be a really valuable book full of deep truth and wisdom to put the power of their approach in the hands of readers. It is much deeper, more holistic, more profound than most of what other practitioners do. This is really important work and so many people are in need of it. And, and I agree, this, this book is pretty pretty incredible. Um, and now I'm going to introduce um, another quote that I really like that I think kind of might coalesce pretty well with what they teach. And this one comes from Willie Nelson. And <laughs> quote, it is, if you can be content right now, Then you'll always be content because it's always right now nice so just a little brief background and bio on michael and marcy Um, michael has been guiding people to overcome obstacles and awaken to authenticity fulfillment and life purpose he has a bs in engineering is a certified master practitioner of nlp which we'll get to a martial arts instructor a skilled body worker, which is not what I thought it was, a meditation teacher, and has spent time in both Buddhist and Benedictine monasteries. And Marcy is a 30-year veteran in the banking and finance industry, which is how we met, a master project manager who's led and delivered dozens of multi-million dollar changes to her organizations. She's a certified Six Sigma, has a passion for helping others, and is a leader in her local business community and children's school PTAs. She is a member of the International Center for Reiki Training and is a certified Reiki master. Both Michael and Marcy live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So welcome, Michael and Marcy.
1: Thank
2: you. Thanks.
0: Thanks for having us. Oh, sure. Thanks for being here. Yeah, uh, thank
2: you for being here.
0: Yeah, so we're just going to jump into it and kind of have like a Free-flowing conversation about the book, about the principles taught in the book, kind of how they got there, how they met. Um, I'm most interested because I kind of consider myself a, a content creator, and I have written a few books. None, none of, of, you know, none in this realm. But my kind of where I started was I wanted to know how you wrote the book. I know it started as like an interview or a conversation between you two. You recorded them, you took transcripts, and then you edited them. But tell us a little bit about that. How did the book come about? Should I start, Marcy?
1: Yes, go ahead.
3: Okay. So, oddly enough, I I have a... um, an impediment to writing. And <laughs> I was like, I, I don't write very well when there's a blank screen. And I, and I wanted to write a book. And I said, how can I get a workaround on this? How can I really get a way to make this happen? And I knew when I was talking to someone, the content flows really easily for me. And mm-hmm. so I thought about who, who that person might be, who could be my muse, so to speak, or my sounding board. And several times in my meditation, Marcy kept coming up. And, uh, Marcy had been a client of mine. And so I was a little bit hesitant about reaching out to her since she'd been a client, but, uh, the third time she came up in my meditation, I was like, all right, this is truly meant to be. I I really need to reach out. And, uh, so I dialed Marcy and I said, Marcy, do you want to write a book? And then I'll pass it over to her for her experience.
1: And I said, absolutely. And then I said, by the way, you probably don't know that. I have no idea how to write a book. I have no idea about publishing. I have no knowledge. I've never done this, but I'll give it a shot because I was so passionate about Michael's work and how it changed my life. And I've done thousands of hours of conferences and spent money on books and uh, classes and, you know, podcasts and listened and, and the biggest shifts that I've received the most permanent way that I've been able to, um, to kind of overcome obstacles and really like, start living my purpose was through this work so i always call him for appointments so when he called me i thought what the heck is this and then when he uh when he asked me i had no like zero hesitation and that is like the call that has made a huge change in my life
3: yeah and then what we did is we used we used an app called otter and Mm -hmm. we just transcribed the conversations that we had and then took those Pop them into the outline and edit them from there, and that's how we got all the content of the book. So, right. oh, cool! And,
2: and I, I, I love the result. Yeah, I love the result and how this is laid out because a lot of the times when you buy a book like this, it does a really great job of explaining and you know um, telling you and and. Whatnot, but this it almost cements it into a conversation of like, how does this apply to real life? Like, what does this actually look like and mean? And, um, and I really appreciated that because, um, I had done a lot of study on the subject. And when I got this book, I was like, wow, this sums up like a lot of things that I've learned and it's, it's, it's really practical. And um you know, going through a stressful time and being able to pick this up and like r- just reread a chapter or or a piece of it is really helpful. so I love that I mean maybe you were averse to writing, but like the the result i mean it seems very intentional that you would write it in this way because it does cement it for the reader,
1: yeah
3: well, I appreciate that feedback that's that's really wonderful to hear and um it it that that process was unique but what i found is i i can be very abstract sometimes and that mm-hmm. was the beauty of the collaboration is marcy would always pull out okay like i'd pull out a, a concept and she'd say mm-hmm. well how, she would literally ask me how does that apply what's what's the application what what how does someone use this in a practical way and right. so she what was does that even mean Right, and she was always drawing out more of the goodness around the concepts and everything. So that, that was the beauty of the collaboration that I really
1: appreciated. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I really, I, I would say we need to exercise. <laughs> I'm very practical, and I like having—I like that there's summaries at the end of each section, and that it's not just content to read through. Uh, but there's—it's broken up by like helpful hints and ways. In some of our just, just transcripts of our conversations, because sometimes catching that and hearing what a real one-on-one session with Michael is like, it's—it's mm-hmm. it's best captured by a transcript. So it was really, it was um, so much fun to write. That was a, it took about a year and it was a really amazing process.
2: Oh, that's awesome. So have, I mean, how do you feel about all of this being now like in the
1: public eye? Like, are you a public person? Did this, how did this feel for you? That's funny you ask, Megan, because we got our our proof copy and I was heading out to Seattle. So I said, I'm just going to read it on my trip to Seattle. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much of me in here. And and so I I called Michael. I was like, yeah, I'm reading the book. It's great. I'm glad. I think we're pretty close. But I said, "Uh, there's a lot of my name in here that I didn't realize. But just even through um, writing it, I have to live it. And so Mm -hmm. and part of the. Like, really, the whole concept of the book, book is just living your purpose and kind of figuring mm-hmm. out how you work um, internally, like how your brain works, what's natural, what's conditioned, what you want to keep, what you want to get rid of. And and so I, I can't show up as anything other than who I am, 100%. And I own it. And I love it. And so having my name in it did not bother me. Um, and I think my mom bought a copy, but I don't know if she's read it yet. So we'll see <laughs>
2: I love that.
1: We <laughs> do a workshop soon, so she'll be able to um, see it in action. So there's no hiding, and I'm super proud of it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. so great!
3: And I love, you know, I'm actually kind of shy sometimes, but put me, put me on stage with this content, and I light up. Really, it's 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 my niche. So so um, being in the public eye around this particular body of work is is really what I was born to do. So I feel
0: great about it. Right. I, I hope you guys are recording your sessions when you do those live events.
1: We did. We just did a, an, a really beautiful retreat, a weekend retreat, and we have some recording from that. But we have uh, we have uh, definitely a note to continue to do that. They're they're pretty amazing.
0: Good, good. Um, so, you know, I started reading the book and I started taking notes, and I I reread and reread and just kept going, and so. I'm gonna start at the beginning or close to the beginning. Um, So you talk about the mountaintop and the village. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What is it or what are they? How do you get there and and what's the significance? Sure, well, the
3: mountaintop and the village is a metaphor we use to talk about the journey to, uh, can go by many names, enlightenment, awakening, um, your peak experience, when you're in a retreat moment and everything is crystal clear and you're calm and you're full of love and bliss right that's mm-hmm. that's a total peak experience in life and so usually it takes some some retreat from our everyday life and so that's why we call it going to the mountaintop you're you're removing yourself from your everyday life and going to the mountaintop where you're doing the oh, on the top of the mountain and having that really profound experience, right? Well, that's not uncommon for a lot of people. So a lot of people are able to get that these days and we have enough in the collective conscious where people, people get a sense of the peak experience and the breakthrough and these, these poignant moments in our life. But where a lot of people have difficulty is how do I bring that back to my everyday life? And so we include the journey back to the village. It's it's like, okay, you can have your mountaintop, but then how do I live it on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis? Rather than just this peak that fades away, and now I'm back to the old state, we give a roadmap to integrate that peak experience so you can live it more in your everyday life. Now, it's not going to be the full brunt of what you experience on the mountaintop, but we, we call it coming back to the village. And you do that through your individuality. You do that through the uniqueness of who you are. So the whole journey, it's a, it's a journey leaving your village, going for some some peak experience, and then taking that and integrating it back into your everyday life so that you can live a more fulfilling life. You can be more alive, more awake, more more fulfilled. In the tasks you're doing, even when you're doing the dishes, right? <laughs> that can be a fulfilling experience. So that's that's the whole journey that that we talk about in that metaphor. Right. Uh, maybe Marcy has some other take on it. Than-
1: well, I've just hit that mountaintop experience so many times at a conference or out in nature or these beautiful moments with my children where it's just complete love and connection, and then. I have to get on the street and go drive and somebody cuts me off and it's like, there goes that mountaintop experience. And so I had all these triggers and triggers still come up. It's not, it's not mountaintop 24 by seven, but the recovery from those triggers is instant even and, and triggers largely go away. And so that's what I wanted. I, I always felt like something was missing and that's why I kept going on this search. Like, gosh, I just don't feel fulfilled. And part of it is just this mountaintop experience but then how can i live that how and it really goes back to living purpose uh which is kind of the you know spoiler alert it's like the ending of the of the book but it's sprinkled throughout and and that's really how i bring the mountaintop to my daily life is kind of clearing stuff out and then staying connected to my purpose um but it's i was i like i told michael he said uh, nothing's broken and it's one of the things in the book like you're not broken. This is not a you problem. You are whole and complete. And I said, you know, how many, how many thousands of dollars I've like, spent on books to try and like figure that out. And then, right. um, yeah. Right? And, and I kept searching for something. It's the inside guide because it it's going inside it and just observing and sitting with and loving, and accepting yourself with all of your, um, you know, shadows and dark and, and preferences and this and that, and then learning to like, celebrate that and live fully in, in like your, yourself and owning it. And uh, so it's that because I knew I'd never be a monk sitting on a mountaintop full-time, although that seems lovely.
2: Right. But you did mention that some people can live the mountaintop experience, like that there are some people. And, and I think you mentioned the name Hermits. Did Was that in this book? Yeah. 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 And, and where does, where does that come from? I mean, do you mean that in like the traditional sense or like, are you talking about it in like the sense of human design? Is that like, is that what you were kind of? No,
3: it's more. um, So, so within, the monastic tradition of the West and mm-hmm. more specifically, you know, I was, I was raised in Catholicism and I have a, a more of a universalist kind of view on things now that includes all religion. Um, mm-hmm. But within that sect, there's, there's the monastic tradition. And within the monastic tradition, there's varying degrees of how in the world the monks are. They're either active in the world versus completely hermetic and completely withdrawn from daily life and so very few people are authentically called to that but there are there to live in a in a completely isolated like no contact with other people and we're just not what we're social creatures so we're just not wired that way most of us but there are a few individuals that really hold that space. And they're very, you know, I imagine I, I've, I've never met one, but I imagine to talk and be in the presence of a person like that must be an incredible experience. Um, right. But What a hard, a hard and difficult path that must be. Right.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you mentioned, you, you said you were raised, um, Catholic, um, a lot of what I've read in here is, um, you know, Buddhist theology or, um, and you call yourself like a universalist, um, in the book, it like, one of the main things is that you're not broken. And I remember the first time that I heard that, and I, it was like, so revolutionary to me. And I was like, I had an experience just like Marcy, like what, like, Oh, really? Like I've been I've been doing all this work, like, and, and so the the main theme in a lot of Western religion is that we are broken. How do you, how do you answer back to that? That, you know, how do you, how do you make sense? How do you, how, yeah. How do you answer back to that when people say,
3: uh, it. If that's what a person wants to believe, um, who am I to tell them different? You know, um, it's all belief right. systems, right? Right. So, okay. Yeah. And and we get the results of of what we believe. We, our belief determines our experience. So it's it's a system that works. You know, if I if I believe I'm broken and I'm on this journey, but where wh- where does that lead? Like, do I have to always believe I'm broken, or does it like Or is there an end?
2: Like, can we get, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, does it end in a perfection or a completeness or a whole? I think that's the eventual goal of of even in the West of any religion is that you you find God, right? And you find that experience of wholeness. I'm just starting at that point.
2: Right, like we, yeah, it's very hopeful to know that like, we can experience that now in our lifetime in the real world, like, and I think that you know, just a lot of how we were raised and the belief systems that we were raised in, and and I think you talk about this in the book. It forms these ruts in our mind that I am broken, I am broken, I am broken, and you go along this thought process, and then when you realize, like, oh my gosh, like, no, I'm not. Um, you know, I am a whole and complete person as I am. It's very, um, it's it's really freeing and and it's really helpful to say that and you and you really lay that out really well here. So, thank um,
0: you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, I appreciate it's that. a it's a great perspective and it's hard to swallow. Yeah, and I am not religious, so I I wasn't you know I found God and now I'm perfect or I'm you know I don't believe any of that stuff. But I you know in a in a prior podcast I, I don't remember which one it was, Megan, but. Uh We went at length about how I felt like everybody is broken. Yeah. And I think it depends on perspective, right? And yours is a good perspective to take because it's positive. Whereas mine is negative. But my negative, the negative part about it is, yes, we're all broken, all of us, and that's okay. And what we're really trying to endeavor to do is to improve. So- I was going to say a joke, I'll say it anyway, but you know, if this isn't broken, what is it? You know, we all we all have faults and, and foibles and we make mistakes and we do these things and and sometimes we do things that we really are ashamed of and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they are just words and I know you're into words, so that's part of your background. Um, and so am i so it's just hard to reconcile because you know it's almost like two sides of the same coin
3: yeah well Um, let's let's reconcile this right now because um i think this is a beautiful opening and and what you're laying out here there there is some truth to what you're saying i mean we we are flawed we are we do have personalities right so the wholeness i'm talking about is the greater aspect of who we are, the totality of who we are. And sometimes in our mind, we're identified with only a portion of who we are. And we're saying, mm-hmm. that's me, mm. right? And we could call that my personality or my preferences, or and really it's an identity, but the identity is created in our mind. Mm-hmm. So we could say we have that whole identity and we have a limited identity right mm-hmm. and so part of the journey is if if we posit that wholeness and we say it it just because i'm whole and complete doesn't doesn't give me a pass on doing the work right i still have to do the work i still have to face the patterns and the triggers and the buttons and all the things that i'm working on in my personality but to do it from that place of wholeness changes the game yeah it it changes yeah. the game because it says the process that I'm going through is natural and normal and organic and I'm constantly revising who I think I am to be more and more of that greater being and so I don't see it as an in a way I, I it's just a perspective I guess you know you could say it's an improvement or you could say it's a tearing away of the illusion of who you think you are
0: Yeah. So, so often we humans like to take very complicated, complex things and, and, and boil them down into very simple models. And I, I think we all realize the peril in that. But is this, could this be thought of as we're all a puzzle, different puzzles, different pieces, but we have a box, all the puzzle pieces are there. We just don't know how to put them together because we can't see what the puzzle looks like. I love that metaphor. I think that is fantastic. Use that in your next book. <laughs> <laughs> you have my permission.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great way to look at it. And not just not just a puzzle, but that the, the whole essence of who we are in our life and in our incarnation, this this being that we are, is a mystery. Like mm-hmm. we can't figure it out really. And that to me, that's the beauty of it. That's the joy. Of when when you can live the mystery and you don't have to have everything neatly defined. Like I don't have to put myself in a little box and know know this and that. I mean, it, it helps to know your preferences and what you like. But mm-hmm. this puzzle metaphor is great because we are doing that. I I, always, I like also like the the concept of um, like a, a treasure hunt or a, you know you're you're stalking something or looking for clues and and really trying to play as much as possible in this mystery unfolding as you right
0: yeah 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 i like that
2: yeah and and, um, the whole, and the whole process of doing this we are focusing on and we talk it talks about it from the very beginning as going inward and i think like in our culture often um people m- may respond as like what is that what does that even mean so like Marcy, from from the be like, did you know from like did you know like what that meant or was has it been a discovery for you to like um find the meaning in in what it means to be go inward to find these you answers?
1: Know, it's funny because I always thought I went inward. I mean, this I've been meditating since, you know, since I was eighteen and I had some of those life changing transformational books show up. You know, for the last 30 something years. And so I thought I looked inward, but my uh, obstacles kept coming up. There were certain mm-hmm. things that I couldn't overcome and get a handle of. And I would get kind of frustrated saying, uh, you know, I'm pretty smart. I have like the house and the husband and the, and like what would look like a successful right. life. But check, I check, check. <laughs> right. And so I kept looking outside of myself. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, compare like, gosh, why does that person seem like they have their stuff together? And I've spent time at some of these conferences with amazing thought leaders and I, and I knew that there was something special there, but I was still looking outside. I was still looking for someone to tell me something that would automatically like shift the way I saw things and then I would be fixed. And when the concept came up that there's nothing broken, nothing needed to be fixed and that basically in, in, in like to realize for myself, like I've lived from the neck up most of my life. I have, we all have these supercomputer brains that process Mm -hmm. things and to, to really start to understand through Michael's training with NLP and his, uh, in his career working with individuals to really understand like, what's me versus what is my programming? What are these little, um, you know, connections that, that, that were developed as a, as a young child. And a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times they were, you know, kind of defense mechanisms that worked back then, but guess what? They don't work as an adult. So he has this amazing way of going in and doing like this minor surgery to go in and, and kind of shift things around and rewire things or disconnect things. And like, I, I always say, I don't remember, how my brain worked five years ago, because I just remember like the only thing I could recall is waking up in the middle of the night with a ton of things on my mind. And and then once in or like burning myself out, signing up for things, making all these commitments like drive, drive, drive. And then when I realized like how I work best and where that drive is actually coming from, which was conditioning. Now mm-hmm. I am life is so much more enjoyable. I get way more done with ease. I mean, it is, it's amazing. So it's, um, so, but it's very specific to my experience. And so to Mm -hmm. realize that the world I've created, including the things that trigger me are kind of calls for this, uh, inside look at yourself, um, to really just be curious about, gosh, what was that about? And is that something, you know, that was developed? Is that something that I want to kind of understand and maybe disconnect from, Or is it something that I love about me? Like I learned that I'm a person that's naturally driven, like Uh regardless of my list, regardless of waking up at three o'clock in the morning with, even if I did none of that, I would still get stuff done because that's part of who I am. And that, and that's like, I got rid of all those lists. (laughs) I do things with ease and I still get stuff done. It's like, it's, it's amazing. I still, actually I still have spreadsheets. I, I like, um, so, learning to see what's kind of more authentic to me versus the manufactured, conditioned me, and going in kind of from mm-hmm. a neurological perspective and getting those shifts has really completely changed how I look at the outside world. But it always inside; right. it's all manufactured inside.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. I
3: love that. You know, where science has already shown, we're, we're projecting our entire perception of the of the universe from within ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So everything you experience, even other people, is remade inside your own brain. Right. And yes. so are are we really experiencing this thing called life or is it like a big hologram? Right. That's that's gives us exactly the experiences we need and the experiences we create in our own perception. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when you can kind of play with that. And and realize that it is kind of like the matrix and it is programmable. And that's what neuro-linguistic programming is, is starting to get into the neural pathways and how your brain actually processes information and how you can shift through making different connections in the neural pathways, shift your perception and shift your actual experiences so that you just feel different, things show up differently, you're having a different experience.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So co- a couple things on that. Um, number one, I, I got injured. I, I got hit by a car when I was 17 years old and I had some surgery and I was going through therapy, a uh, physical therapy. And, um, it was interesting that the therapist, so I had pre surgery physical therapy, which was just grunt work, like get these muscles strong and so you'll recover faster. And then there was the rehab after and that therapist. It was interesting because I had never heard this, but damage to your body, especially your nervous system, mm-hmm. um, the nerves in that body part that was affected. For me, it was my knee. Um, they're damaged. They're they're not necessarily going to repair. But but by doing the exercises, by doing the work by by, you know, the brain body connection, your your body actually makes new mm-hmm. pathways new nerves develop and and all that kind of stuff and that was fascinating that was that's number 1 um but i think the other thing that that kind of popped up in my head when you were talking michael is we see evidence of of this kind of like hologram effect mm-hmm. when we talk or we we listen to um witnesses to a crime there could be 10 people standing in approximately the same place and they'll give you 10 different stories Mm. now they're mostly the same most of the time but there are differences and it's like well why did you pick that up and why did you pick that up and why didn't you pick that up and you know Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so it's like what is reality is it the collective i would say yes but then, if we had ten more people, we'd get ten more stories. So, is that the reality? We could do it on videotape. Is that the reality? That's two dimensional. Um, you know, so there's all. It, I don't know what the the differentiator is, other than perspective and the way our brains work. We sometimes we see what we want to see, and sometimes we don't see what we don't want to see. Um, so. Those Mm -hmm. are just two interesting thoughts that came to my mind. Yeah. There's a
3: part in your brain called the reticular activating system. So what this does is works as a filtering mechanism. So if, uh, here's an example. So when when Columbus was sailing over the horizon, many of the Native Americans in, in the area had no concept of the ships that they were sailing, right? So only the shaman could see the ships on the horizon and the, the average person couldn't see it because it wasn't in their lexicon. It wasn't in their, their world view, And so their brains just naturally filter that out. And so they literally couldn't see the ships, but the shaman, obviously he's, he's trained to break through and be in this different reality. So he could see the ships and he's, oh, so that's, that's how these filtering mechanisms work in your brain. And we filter and perceive and modulate our experience of everything. So it's all we're, we're all kind of walking around in our own little bubbles of reality and, you know, we're calling it life and reality, but it's, it's all our own, you know? And when you, when you own that and you begin to play with that and realize you can adjust it and adjust your perceptions. And if something is painful or limiting, Mm -hmm. we can work with that and we can expand the view of life so that we're able to have a better experience overall
2: right and yeah. it, and it yeah. seems like the best way for us to get there and to have these breakthroughs is painfully through triggers like and it seems like that's the that's when you can really recognize I know for me like you know the more aware I become, and we also have triggers, right, like forever, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) is there, I mean, do, is, is, do we can go away?
3: (laughs) They can go away. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. But (laughs) I've found myself being able to like rationalize the moment and be like, whoa, like what was that? Like, where did that come from? And kind of like walk back from that. Like, is there a practical way that you would suggest when we're experiencing a trigger to grow from it and, and have a and turn it into something transformational instead of going into like a spiral.
3: Yeah, so, so you can look at a trigger as like a button that says there is an experience. Usually it's an experience from our past. And so the trigger mm-hmm. is something painful from our past, much of the time, even from childhood, mm-hmm. right? So the button gets pressed and suddenly the whole experience loads up and it has to run its course. Right. So one of the things you can start to do, you know, one is calm down, obviously, but also begin to explore the experience itself. What is what am I actually feeling Mm -hmm. and where is that coming from in my past? What are the memories that seem so, you know, so, you you know, I mean, uh, that lady in the supermarket ignored me. And suddenly it, it triggers me very much, what is that? Oh my gosh, well, that's a, a replica of my mom not giving me the attention as a little boy that I needed, right? right. And I, okay. I felt ignored and the whole thing loads up in my system because it's not resolved from the past. Mm-hmm. So when you can realize that the trigger is just a replay of these early experiences and you can go to the root of those, to the original memories, and you can reprogram those memories so I can say, oh, when I was five and I didn't get attention, I'm still worthy. I'm still lovable as I am. That was mom's issue, right? And there's mm-hmm. techniques and exercises we can do to actually get that to take in in the neural net. And when you do that, then the lady in the supermarket has no effect on me. Right. right. Because I've reprogrammed, I've reprogrammed the original experience that is what's behind the trigger
2: right
1: okay yeah that makes total sense okay one thing i think i used to do was um like live the life of affirmations like mm-hmm. she's lovable too. And and, and I'm lovable and, and um and so it was actually a form of kind of suppressing what was really happening. So outside of um work with Michael one on one and it's in the book where we could do check-ins, since I'm mm-hmm. a very much like a left brain thinker, um supercomputer brain, uh, I would I would rationalize she's not looking at me, I yeah. What's up with her? Oh, she's a human. So every human is okay. We got to love and connect and, But instead now uh, the tools are for me, like checking in what's happening in my brain, what's happening in my body, what's happening mm. with my emotions, what's happening with my energy level. Because sometimes I would just wake up and it's in the book in a really kind of crappy mood and just be in a funk is what I would call it. And then I realized I'm in a funk. Okay. Well, what's going on? Well, physically, I'm not feeling that great right now. Oh, okay. Mentally, what's happening? Oh, I, I, uh, you know, something came up that I read that put me in a bad mood, or that made me sad. And so to look at it from like these four perspectives of kind of like emotions, energetically, mentally, physical, to look at it from those perspectives, you could start getting clues as to what's really happening. And in yeah. the past, like what didn't work was Like sugarcoating everything because to be a kind person, I shouldn't have feelings about that person ignoring me because it Mm. doesn't have anything to do with me and this and that. But it's like, that's not, that's not understanding really what's deeper. And then I would, you know, tell Michael, some lady ignored me and I'm feeling this and that. And he's like, let's go back to childhood. Okay. (laughs) Because that's really how to, how to heal um, that, that experience. And that's, what's, uh, well, that's, what's amazing. And I'll still say like, gosh, this happened, but, um, you know, through, through practices, I'm able to kind of get over it myself. And he's like, what if you weren't even triggered? I thought, oh yeah, yeah, that's the state right? I want to be in. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then those people stop showing up at the store. It's, it's really, yeah. uh, like slightly mystical too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have phases of that where I'm just like, everything is great. Like, you know, nobody bothers me. We're all one. And then, you know, and then those things still happen. So, you know, it's got to be like this process. And, you know, I mean, just going back and doing the work and, and, um, yeah, maybe, maybe going and seeking out mountaintop experiences. And, um, and you guys are creating those you guys are starting to do retreats around this work, which is amazing. Can you tell us like what that looks like?
1: And what those are about? Why don't you start? Yeah. Oh, uh, we're still, I think, coming off the the blissful weekend in Tahoe. And what a beautiful place. We had our first uh, longer weekend retreat. And it was called Quantum Leap. And Michael explains that if you think of and he could do a better job explaining it but if you think of like rings around a planet like we don't have to go step by step by step we could make these large leaps and it was just a combination of you know this great group together the beautiful um, natural environment of um, lots of meditation really walking through what's laid out in the book talking uh, holding space for each other just um uh, I, to be in that um, to be in that uh, really truly mountaintop experience for the weekend, uh, there there are people that are still talking about like I just kind of want to hug everyone right now like I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but this showed up and I got this call and and like and I'm I don't know, things are still really good. And uh, so we have we have that uh, together and then we have a one day version with the larger group coming up in San Francisco. Really excited for Michael as a facilitator, what were uh, your thoughts with that weekend in Tahoe and what you're looking forward to in San Francisco?
3: Yeah, we're, we're really, you know, my focus in working with people is I want to get people permanently shifted. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, like when I work with someone, if I can put myself out of business, I'm doing my job correctly. Right. Because I, I want to empower people. I want to say, you know, you're, you're your own authority. You're you, I want, I want to create peers. I want to create people that know their own truth and can, can really follow their purpose. And so, um, it's, it's the, the retreats we're doing is, is really like an immersion into a lot of things. It's the whole transformative process and how to create change but then we're really using all that as a springboard to break through into that mountaintop experience into, um, how do I describe this? The, we call it the mystical state. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really like you, you said when earlier, Megan, when you're talking about, like I have these moments of oneness and it all just feels like it's flowing. That's Mm a mountaintop right there. That's in. And so you're tapping into your greater self, the truth of you right this this expanded yeah. version of ourself,
0: and mm-hmm. so that's
3: that's what we want to give people a sense of is that we're not just these individuals and we're not mm-hmm. you know we are limited in in our individuality, but it's it's a both and i'm I'm mm-hmm. this individual and I'm separate, but I'm also connected and expanded and one with everything yes. And so when we can live both of those realities, that's where you get an integrative experience. And that's where the work and the change, a lifestyle of you know following a trigger doesn't become a big deal anymore because it's, it's a lifestyle and it's all within that greater space. So there's just this acceptance and love and appreciation for the totality of our humanity. Right? Like, like, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm like, I've achieved this. And I'm like, in this superhuman place right now, I'm I'm still flawed. I'm, I am still I still road rage sometimes, you know, I, I'm still have my triggers and my buttons. Mm-hmm. I think what is different for me in a lot of people, though, is I don't I don't self judge myself when those triggers happen. Mm-hmm. I'm able to hold myself in in the same regard. Is when I'm doing great, and I still mess up and I still trip, but it's the space that we hold ourselves in. You could call it self-love or self-appreciation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's it's what's great about you, what's challenging about you, the t- the, the sum total of your humanity. And we just yeah. hold ourselves, and we begin to appreciate that we're all in this together, and everyone. Everyone is just phenomenal in that place. Right. Everyone right. has some gift to share, some way they fit in to the greater picture. And I think that's how we're going to face the collective challenges is is when we learn how to better come together. And like 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 I look at Marcy and our relationship as a great example because I, I went 10 times farther than I could have on my own because of Marcy's health and the way we work together and the synergy we had really taught me a lot about how, how to collaborate and cooperate and, and get greater results when we come together. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, Marcy and I, like we, we have this, this, we still hit snags every once in a while. Like we had one yesterday, right? And we had this little like moment where we're just, but we, we talk it out really easily and we get through it really easily because we have a space to work in and we have a tool set that allows us to appreciate, hey, like, oh, I got I got a little button press there. Okay, can we process that a little bit? What's going on there, you know? So yeah. that's that's kind of, I, I think it's it's really an appreciation of our humanity at the end of the mm-hmm.
2: day. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when you're able to like offer that, some call it grace to yourself and that acceptance and then being like the next level would be, you know, probably offering it to others. And, you know, in, in that realization that, you know, that we are not separate from each other and you talk about like a collective awakening, um, to that. What do you, think that looks like do you think that like more and more people are you know realizing that that I mean could you see like this giant shift in humanity happening once we start you know progressing that way and like what do you think that looks like
3: you know I go back and forth what is your your outlook on humankind
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah right (laughs)
3: Okay. Now this is the hardest question I've gotten all day here. So (laughs) yeah. Uh, I haven't a clue.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could, like, I see that happening. You talk about like it being like a collective, like a shift, like, and you know, maybe that looks like something big.
3: Doesn't it seem like sometimes we're advancing as a society and sometimes we're declining as a society. Right. Right. Yeah. And it seems like I can't figure it out because it's like, both seem to be happening at the same time.
1: Uh And
3: um, so I think it's, it is possible that more and more people can awaken, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's really my mission. I want to create a community of more and more people that understand, like we need to do the inner work. We need to find our goodness and then bring that out into the world. Right. So it's, it's the inside guide, but when you reach your center, Mm -hmm the next leg of the journey is actually to come outside and to share who you are and what you have to offer the world with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's, I think in the collective awakening, if, if people are doing the inner work and they have a space that that's okay to do that and a pathway to do that. And they realize, you know, what they have to share and what their purpose is. Yeah and they bring that out, there's going to be a place for them in the world. There's, there's going to, and the right. and we kind of fit together in, in Bill's metaphor, like puzzle pieces, you know, mm-hmm. like not, not just the puzzle of our own self, but the puzzle of how we fit together relationally with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so in a way we could be like, we're, we're creating some beautiful mosaic, but nobody knows what the end design is. Right. <laughs>
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely creating something and yeah. And how does that not affect the world, you know, in a positive way? I think that, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah. So I hold, I hold hope that, you know, we are, we are evolving. Um, and there, and at the same time, it's, you know, we're not going to deny that there's some challenges in in society right now and, and some global collective challenges that are threatening us all you know so we have to we have to be able to be open-eyed to those and right. address them with with eyes wide open and still mm-hmm. hold the positive view that we're we're all you know doing the best we can and we're evolving as a as a species so
2: yeah yeah well thank you for that answer
0: <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Yeah, I have a hard time with that sometimes because I see all the knuckleheads and yahoos and you know, just some of the words you're using would offend people. Like Oh, really? You haven't you haven't used woke yet. <laughs> but awake is woke. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um yeah, you got to watch out for that. Um so you talk about intention and creating your own reality. And way back when I was an athlete, I, I read about psychology and visualization and, and things like that, you know, thing things, tools that would help you achieve the things that you didn't have already or didn't achieve yet. Um, and visualization is a big part of that. Talk, talk about that whole concept of intention and reality and all that stuff. I know that's a big broad subject, but you yeah. can go anywhere you, you want with it. Um,
3: that's important to be really intentional about what our next edge is or what's our next chapter or what are we creating in our life? Um, we try to encourage people to take it beyond just visualization. So really begin in your intention to create the full, the full experience in your imagination of what that next reality your next chapter or next frontier is for you so so you you know your vision could be to be driving a ferrari but the full experience is what it feels like to be behind the wheel
1: okay
3: right and so you really want oh go ahead we we really want to create the felt experience the brain doesn't know the difference between a real experience and an imagined one so the more you practice these things but to really feel the energy, the expansion, like this bigger state of being that, you know, maybe like if, if I'm more successful in my social media and I'm making more money and I'm done, then I'm going to feel greater, right? Well, I can actually start to feel greater now and root, I can still have those goals and still be doing those things. But as I embody that greater feeling those things begin to happen more easily and naturally. And I naturally do the correct behaviors that are gonna align with that.
2: Would you you call that manifesting?
3: I would not call that manifesting. Um, Okay. uh, Only because that I just don't use that word. Um, Okay. Because to me, um, I think I used it at one time, but it, it always felt like too much pressure that I had to do it all myself. (laughs) Okay. And so you could call, I mean, I mean, it works great. You could you could call it manifesting if you want, but, um, I like attracting better and that I'm going to do my part. You know, I have to do my work and do the behaviors and do, do everything in line with what I say I want, but. I'm I'm in a co-creative relationship with the universe. I know that sounds right. a bit woo-woo and a bit w- woke, woke like, <laughs> but I don't know how else to say it. In that, like, mm-hmm. there's something greater that we're all a part of.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: And when you, when you, it seems to me when I'm if I manifest I'm, I'm this isolated silo and I have to do it all myself versus I okay. like the concept of like I'm gonna embody this this greater experience and play my part to the hilt and do what I need to do, but providence comes in. Different things start to work in my favor when I'm doing that. Right. So right. I can't say it's all me doing it in a way.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like taking and giving, you know, some of the responsibility, you know, taking letting it go and, you know, just focusing on what you can do and what your part is and what your gifts are instead of, yeah, I guess that makes sense.
3: It's still my responsibility to embody the state that I want to. Right. Right. So, so like we, at one point in this launch, we, you know, weren't quite getting the results and I started to get a little down and -hmm. I was kind of like a little peevish, you know, and like, oh, it's not working. And And Mm -hmm. then I realized what, that's not the right energy to work from right and so i did a, mm-hmm. a reset and we we just kind of hopped over the results and reset what is our vision what are what are we and then things started working again right but it's mm-hmm. it's also kind of working on maybe not quite on the timeline like i i'm a, can be a little impatient sometimes so i want everything right. yesterday right and
2: mm-hmm. maybe it's
3: happening but it's just happening on a little longer timeline right and yeah. so if I can keep in that positive vision of it all expanding and all, all growing, it's, uh-huh. it's a way more enjoyable journey. And I see that, and the results do are showing up. So it's um,
2: right. Yeah. And you it get to,
1: that, ex- oh, we called it in the book, the something more factors. So whether it's, you know, religious or not, or spiritual or energetic, whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. when you can hold that space for what this vision is um, and and start, you know, and, and do the work to overcome things that may be preventing you, your programming mm-hmm. that may stop you. Once you could start opening up, then something more happens. Things show up. Like, Bill, you talked about just the connection with Megan and that you had, you know, this podcast, you know, concept for a while. And then all of a sudden, like those puzzle pieces Came together, and then all of a sudden, this connection at a certain time, and it could be right. luck, and it could be timing, it could be whatever you call it, but we call it the something more factor, and that's why I love those little synchronicities because to yes. me, that's a reminder, like up, oh, that's that something more. The unexplainable is that uh, is supporting me right now, and it's nothing. It's it's nothing that I could sometimes imagine for myself.
2: Yeah. Can you explain synchronous, I mean, we all know what the word synchronicity means, but like, how can, how does that like show up in your life? And it does, it does for me too. And like just little things where it does feel like, oh, I must be in alignment with where I'm supposed to be going. Um, But like, yeah, what is, what does that look like in your life? Just little things or, or I mean, how do you see it show up?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it could be anything from, you know, somebody calling that I've been thinking of or, or Michael yeah. and I having the exact same idea about something and calling and saying, Hey, I just wrote yeah. this up. And he said, I did too. It's like, Hey, how did that happen? Or um, yeah. opportunities coming up or, um, you know, letting something yeah. go and an issue that doesn't feel like the right time to kind of own it. And then something comes and makes it a non-issue or event. It's, I mean, it's, and those things get me so excited because it, it it reminds me that I'm not in charge. And for a former control freak, that's hard to um, to um, to accept. But I, now that I've realized like how something much more beautiful is waiting out there for me if I let mm-hmm. go, because I never was in charge. I never was in control. So once I can mm-hmm. get aligned to this something more factor and and living you know my life purpose, um, mm-hmm. then those those show up in in fun ways
2: right and probably more than when we just like write it off as like oh that was just a coincidence and i'm just going right. to move on but like recognizing and celebrating those things and then seeing them show up more and more and more like as we go down the right path is really exciting it's kind of um yeah it's it's fun and exciting
3: yeah the book is the inside guide right and so that's what we're we're really empowering people to follow your inner guidance right and that's yeah always the the true guide in us is when we get still and quiet and we can hear our intuitive voice right the hunches and synchronicity is just one more signpost one more way that things show up outside of us as well as inside of us so it's not always but i but i'm i feel like it's always in response to the questions we're living right and mm. i i'm kind of Have an inquiry or something, I'm, and then you get these kind of little messages or something that says, Yeah, yeah, that's the direction you need to go. But that process starts from within and it starts Mm -hmm. from listening in in your heart and just taking time to be still and quiet in our busy lives, time out, and just a walk in the woods, a walk on the beach, you know, a walk in the mountains, Mm whatever, whatever is. A place where you where you find peace and respite, you know, and those moments are extremely important for us to be guided from an internal place and to find that internal authority. And then those synchronicities start to happen more often. They start to happen and and it just becomes more like like that mystery unfolding. Or just mm. sometimes I don't know the next step, but it seems to appear as I'm taking it, you know. Yeah. So I I have a question
0: around that, and and maybe it's maybe it's a contention. Um, You mentioned earlier, Michael, about how when Columbus was coming over the horizon and the 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 natives couldn't see the ships, yeah, but the shaman could, yeah. Is it possible that those synchronicities or luck or schadenfreude or whatever they're there we just haven't been trained to see them and now that we we become more introspective and learn more about ourselves and learn more about how this whole process works maybe a new dimension has opened before our senses not just our eyes but our senses
3: absolutely i i think so i mean i think you're onto something there because like maybe they're always there and you just never saw them that is you know i know the more that i meditated my my perceptions changed and things that were subtle began to be more profound and right right and um definitely it's it's almost like there's another reality interpenetrating the 3d reality but we we're not privy to it until we stop and start to slow down. Remember that one day, Marcy, we were we were sitting out in the backyard, and we did kind of a little meditation, and we came out of it, and suddenly, like, the light was more sparkly. The leaves had a different sheen on them. There, our our perception had changed in the ten minutes just because we took this time out, and then we came out, and we noticed almost like a different reality around ourselves. So. I I think you're, you're right on the money that it is present and it's just our perception that misses it a lot of times.
0: Yeah. So along those lines, and I don't want to get like super controversial and I don't want to get you guys in trouble, (laughs) but I'm going to ask the question and you can like refuse to answer. So a lot of people, um, they go on these experiences, um, not necessarily retreat, but you can call it that too, where um, let's just say chemicals are involved. Do you think there's a role for um, chemicals, maybe it's ayahuasca or marijuana or, and I'm not condoning this to anybody, You, you make your own choices, but do you see a play? Because I've, I've heard people who've done these things and they are like, You know, part of me says they're hallucinating, right? But part of me is like, well, maybe they are seeing something that is there that I can't see. Do you think that, do you think there's a role for that or or am I barking up the wrong tree here? I think it, it
3: can be helpful for certain people in certain contexts. And I think it's a very tricky line and we have to really listen to our internal guidance if that's the right path for us or not um, definitely what i think is a trap like you can use a hallucinogenic to have an experience but then really the key is saying okay i touched that now i have to find that without the hallucinogenic hmm. right right and so if you're repeatedly using these these avenues you're you're cheating right you're just yeah It's, it's, it's a shortcut and it's going to, it's going to have an adverse effect in the long run. It's going to affect your, your consciousness and your psyche. So I think it's, it's, I just think it's a, it's up to the individual and everyone needs to make their own choices with that. And you should choose wisely and, and really discern around it. Don't just make a, a rash decision because those are, those are in. A hallucinogenic experience in the wrong person can trigger a psychotic break right It could bring one person to enlightenment and it could bring another person to psychosis so it's it just depends on the individual and it depends on if it feels correct for that particular person or not. Okay. I, I won't, I will neither condone or what's, how do you say that? I will neither
1: (laughs) (laughs) confirm or deny. (laughs) Right. One thing, um, one thing I thought was gosh, so meaningful. uh, Like through writing this book, I had to kind of deal with my own stuff. So, you know, first part uh, mind, second part body. And all of a sudden it's like this body stuff comes up food and exercise and, and, Like the something more showed up. So a yoga practice showed up, a new food plan showed up that became a lifestyle. And, you know, I got to a point where I was healthier than I've been in 20 years because it's, you know, my mind was in the right place. Opportunity came up and uh, and I was able to sit with and process some of the things that held me back. And so I remember telling Michael, I said, Oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I've lost 25 pounds and I'm feeling, you know, great and strong. I'm like, I love this feeling. And he said, don't continue or don't try and grasp, grasp for that feeling. Continue mm-hmm. with the practices that brought you to that. Because if you continue to try and hold on to that feeling and whether it's this enlightenment feel, feeling on a particular substance, um, and like I said, mine tends to um, come out of the kitchen. That's my, that's my <laughs> controlled substance. Um, but it's like, instead of trying to grasp that feeling and, um, and always chase that, mm-hmm. it's like that feeling came because of certain practices. So it really got, so whenever I kind of get off track, I think, gosh, I felt really good, but that's not a guaranteed feeling every day, all the time. But I have probably a better chance of getting there if I can continue, you know, making certain food choices, continue my yoga, my meditation practice, being around community, being, you know, grateful for the things that are showing up and actually doing the work. And that was huge for me because I would I would start giving up if I didn't feel that feeling and couldn't maintain that feeling. I would say forget it and shelve the whole thing.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. And I. I think it's interesting in the book you list, um, some reasons why we avoid looking inward. And one of them is, you know, external, like we go for external validation, distraction, suppression. The one that I thought was most interesting was spiritual bypass and toxic positivity. And I think we are seeing a lot of that, um, Or I see, I see a lot of that as like, um, you know, oh, well, you know, the, like, it's almost become like its own culture, like, um, and how do we, you know, how do we come out of these things just by, you know, um, doing, doing the work? I mean, how do, how do we, how do we practically, um, you know, not give ourselves these reasons to, to do that, to do that anymore?
3: Well, if, if you're committed to your journey, you'll, right. it'll, it'll be, you, you'll you see it, you know, it'll, it'll, sh- it'll show yeah. up, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I um, almost think that like the talk, to- like it's hard for people to recognize the toxic positivity. Like they think, oh, well, it's just, it's great. Everything's great. You know, this is, this is good. You know, God's going to take care of, you know, these things. And we put in all of this, this, faith but um it's almost like um a way to of of camouflaging would you say like instead of doing the work is that another yeah
3: and that you know the to to each in their their own time you know if if someone's needing that camouflage Mm -hmm. i let them be you know i'm not i'm not going to rattle the cage if someone's not ready um okay but you know, I think, again, I, I'm a big proponent of internal authority. And so I'm I'm not going to sit and preach or tell anyone the way or how they need to live their life. Okay, right. And it's, yeah. it, it's each person's responsibility. But, you know, if those people begin to notice, like the, you know, the haters that show up and they're just like, oh, get away, get away. I can't handle your bad energy. Right. Or. Uh-huh. I can't handle your woke energy. Right. You know, like yeah. there, there's a lot of projection going on and there's a lot of something they're not owning in themselves, mm-hmm. but they're either going to wake up or they're not in this lifetime. They're gonna, And by wake up, I mean, they're going to notice that and be able to mm-hmm. transcend it and get beyond it or they're not. And right. it's, it's yeah. okay. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the decider of who, who should do that and how they should do that. It's just, All I'm doing is saying, I have a tool set and I'm going to, I can guide you. And really, if you're, if you're willing to take that journey, here's, here's some tools that help and can get you through those kind of delusions.
2: Right. Or, or maybe just like recognizing too, that like, we're going to do these things. Sometimes we're going to sometimes look outside of ourselves and, you know, for, we're going to sometimes externalize these things. And those are habits that we've have been conditioned to do or things that we've coped with or ways that we've worked through it in the past. And now we're using it as an excuse, but, um, yeah, maybe just recognizing that we do those things and we want to get past it and we want to, you know, be better. Um, and get there. So, yeah. It,
3: it just takes an inner glance. Like, when, when we do that, you know, like, yeah. if I'm in a distraction and, like, I, I come home and I just plop in front of the TV and I'm, when I'm actually, like, feeling something that I don't want to feel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I need to do that. You know, sometimes it's yeah. just I'm tired. I don't want to process. I've been processing all day long. I just... I need some yeah. checkout time, you know, so, but it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's each person's responsibility to determine that for themselves, you know, yeah. and to yeah. say, is this something I need to look at now? Or is there, is there a repeating pattern here that warrants some introspection? Or is it just a moment that I can brush okay. off? I don't, I don't have to look at it. You know, it's not a big deal. I'm just tired today or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, Um, I, I just think there's no, there's no hard or fast formula for these things. There's you, Mm -hmm. we're all unique individuals and that's the beauty and the challenge. in this is, that's why I wrote the book because I'm like, I say I'm a guide, but all I'm doing is guiding people into themselves so they can be Mm -hmm. their own guide. Right? yeah and that's that's really the essence is only you only each person can determine for themselves what's correct and what's the right path and what's what's to face and what's not to face and what's theirs and what's someone else's. Mm-hmm. We each just need to take responsibility and find that place where we become our own guide
1: right for me a little bit it too was just um. Because I think through affirmations, as mentioned earlier, I think mm-hmm. often I would try and have that toxic positivity where any, many negative feelings are kind of, and so right. to understand that there's a shadow side to all of the stuff that I really, really like. And so it's like, if I have that opposite side, and so sometimes it's kind of fun. Like, let me look at that opposite side. Let me look at that shadow side and love and accept her and realize mm-hmm. that, like, that person had a role to play. And and there's – I don't dump any of it. It's like I, I pick and choose what I want. And then when I can do that, then there is – it's okay to be – and I always give the example of, like, I love being organized, but there's a part of me that's chaotic. And so now I'll leave stuff out and have a chaotic environment if there's other priorities that I have. And so to have chaos and not judge myself for that – or not have to pretend that everything is fine and I'm only super organized is like, it lets me off the hook. And so to yeah. just acknowledge both sides of our personality, I think uh, helped me deal with, um, you know, thinking that anything that wasn't like pretty packaged up was something I needed to kind of get rid of and ignore or put aside. Right. Yeah.
0: Um. Can we talk about limiting beliefs? Oh yes. So, so I have three questions about that. that that's going to open up a, a whole discussion. And I know we're over an hour, but you guys have time. You guys good?
3: Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally enthused by
0: this conversation. So okay, it. good, good. Me too. Um, so limiting beliefs, we all have them, or at least we struggle with them, right? How, how do they get in the way? How did they get there in the first place? How do you overcome them? Or do you? or do you find a way, a coping mechanism around them?
3: So limiting belief is originally put in place by an early experience. So beliefs cause us to experience things. And well, it starts from an experience. So there's an experience, an impactful experience, say something in my childhood that causes me to believe something about myself or about life. And that may not be true. So for instance, um, you know, daddy was never around, therefore I'm not worthy. Right. And so I, I internalize a false belief about my work. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that limiting belief begins to inform the rest of my experience and operates in a circular way. So the belief creates the experience, which creates the belief, which creates the experience. And it just loops around based on that early imprint from the early experience. Okay, once that belief is lodged in place, it just runs on autopilot. And then it begins to work as an attractor pattern and it creates our, our reality around us. Um, mm-hmm. So, the way to begin to work with that is, is first you have to understand the experience and begin to unpack the experience of something um, that's a problem for a person or an issue, right? So, um, I don't know, you know, if, if we look at the, the self worth example, someone is not making enough money. Right. And they're like, I I don't know why I can't increase my income. Well, income is tied to your worth and how worthy you feel about receiving. Right. So if we unpack it all and we go back and we find that their financial wellness is associated with that lack of, of self-worth from the early experience, we need to unpack the belief that goes along with that and find, Mm -hmm. okay, it's an imp- almost like an imprint from that early experience. And so when we remake the experience, when we go back and bring resourceful pieces of information to, and this is, this is part of the technique we use. So I'm going to try to explain this because this is where it gets a little hard to explain, but it's about getting the right piece consciously. A lot of times we know the right answer, but why does the experience keep happening? And it's because there's this unconscious aspect that keeps recreating the experience beneath the threshold of our awareness. So when we can take resources from our present, say, okay, I know the right answer. I know I am worthy and I know I'm capable, but why do I still have this feeling of not worthy, right? And I can go and bring that back into the original experience and know my inherent worth in light of my dad's ignorance, right? My dad was doing the best he could. But I can begin to experience my value and worth that I was born with inherent value and worth as a human being. Mm -hmm. And then I begin to form a new belief around that experience. So the way to change the limiting belief is to change the experience which and create a new experience which creates a new belief which now begins to loop in a
0: positive way. Right. So are you in effect replacing that imprint that you have uh, with another imprint? You're, you're yeah. In a
3: way you're, <laughs> I mean, you could say that none of this is real, right. And like, like feeling not worthy or feeling worthy are both illusions, like, but isn't it better to feel worthy? Right. So I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to opt for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, you kind of install or give an upgrade or an imp- like a. It's almost like the early experience is still looping under the surface, and so all, yep. it, if you see that, almost like a computer program, and you can imagine your brain is is like this supercomputer, and you're still running Windows ninety five on it, you know. Mm-hmm. So all, all we're doing is going back and updating the program. The hardware is working fine. It's it's just a software issue. And so all we're doing is bringing new information into the memory banks, into the reference points, and it ripples through our body and our our system. And it changes how we reference ourselves, because Mm -hmm. that early memory was informing part of our identity.
0: And can, can you talk about the interplay between the conscious and the subconscious self in Um, that role? So consciously, much of the time
3: we know what we want. We're we're aware of our intentions, and then unconsciously we're actually wanting what we don't want, mm. right? And so that's a a concept that some people have a hard time digesting. But it's it's like we actually unconsciously we actually want our pain and our limitation
1: because it's and familiar. We're att-
3: we're attached for a number of reasons. It's familiar. It goes back to our family, it's loyalties in the family. Mm -hmm. There could be so many different branches of why we're still entrenched in the old paradigm or the old experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the key is to begin to look at those unconscious attachments and be able to shift those so that you can kind of remove the old experience and and replace it with the new experience. But the unconscious keeps us running and it's very amenable to suggestion. So it just kind of runs on autopilot and they call it unconscious because we're not conscious of what's going on beneath the surface. So a lot of the techniques I'm working with people, we're, we're trying to make the unconscious conscious. We're seeing what's running under the surface or inner in how we're processing and how we're creating our reality and getting into the operating system so we can go and change move some of the wires around and shift the experience itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. that's okay. that's kind of how it operates. They're just they're just two sides of the same coin. It's it's conscious as what you're aware of, unconscious is you know like an iceberg. It's it's there's a lot more going on in our in our experiences and in our reality than we're than we're aware of in any one moment. And we can Mm -hmm. only tend to what we tend to. But once we start going in with that laser and start shining a light on the early experience and saying, okay, here's here's where it originated, there's the memory, there's you in the memory, this is Mm -hmm. how you're referencing it, this is how you're creating it in your reality, and this is what that little you at five needs to learn differently about You know, the little you got a false belief and it just ran on autopilot for a lot of years. Right. But we're going to take the new belief of inherent worth and value and bring it to that little you and pop it in the right place in your brain. So the little you at five knows you were valuable no matter what, no matter what was occurring in in your family system at that time. Mm -hmm. And when that part of you gets the new update, it happens in the unconscious, and then it ripples through and becomes more automatic. So that's the beauty of the neural reprogramming is you don't always have to remember to be in the new outcome and to be in the new experience because we're in kind of inserting it into the unconscious. So it happens automatically.
2: Right. You're almost like, yeah, replacing it. And and the way that i learned this same technique was what are the 3 w's the what's the lie and then replace it with the truth so what am i feeling why am i feeling this way when is the first time i felt this way what is the lie that i made up about myself and then we have to replace it then with the truth and i think a lot of people get stuck in that lie like okay now i know like what the lie is what my bad experience was but then we kind of forget to pull in what is. Yeah. And and um and I think a well, lot of the, us. Well, the, the stuck funny there. thing
3: is this is where you need, usually need a practitioner because we can't observe ourselves from the outside. But as a practitioner I can I can see how people are processing and and we can get to the access point. How how are they pulling up the memory and the reference point? That's very mm-hmm. difficult to see on your own. But when you're working with someone who's trained, we, we we're kind of trained to to begin to spot that mm-hmm. and we call it an access and get to the mm-hmm. access it's the core informing memory and then when you bring like just like you said bring that information into that memory that's when the change ripples through and happens. Right?
2: yeah that's yeah. when the
3: change becomes more permanent and more automatic
2: yeah we're such interesting beings
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so complex <laughs>
1: it's really it's really fascinating to be in a space to observe Michael processing someone, and that's the kind of term that that we've used so these mm. retreat weekends are an all day kind of intensive uh, you know there's opportunity to kind of work through some of these things and then we're uh, starting a um a free monthly kind of inspired living work group so we could uh, you know teach people the tools. And just being, even on a, a Zoom call, it's been um, pretty like inspiring to watch somebody mention something. And Michael's got this amazing sense of, you know, some opportunity to um, to go in and ask some questions and do some shifting, kind of real time. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's really fascinating. And then, like I like I was saying before, then all of a sudden you see that trigger start to fade. And you, and where something used to bother you, it just doesn't. And I even had told them, told them once, I said, gosh, I really can't, I can't do the unconscious. Like, cause I, I can't think about it right. It's, it's like I have this weird, Thing that where I thought I could get into the unconscious myself through my consciousness. He's like, that's why it's called the unconscious because <laughs> so, it's going on without you thinking about it. So it's sometimes complicated and hard to unravel. But yeah. um, through our online groups and our, our retreats, it's really um, inspiring. Even if you're not, you know, feeling like you want to be processed to observe someone and it's not painful and it's not scary. It really is fascinating. Like I said, it's like the surgical way with his you know, 25 years kind of doing this to go in and really hone in on something. And it's a beautiful experience to see someone like, for lack of a better term, like heal something that Mm -hmm. happened years ago in their past. And it's, it's, um, you know, it really is a gift to be part of this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And probably healing too, when you can relate to, oh my gosh, like I have thought that way, or I have that, that lie or that belief of, And, and to see them, you know, let that go, you know, it is, um, it is kind of healing for you too, probably for you too. Like I've seen, I've seen that happen and, and it's really transformative and, and really, um, a beautiful thing to see people, um, heal in that way. I think that's great. So, so where can we find you? How can we be a part of it? How can (laughs) we do this? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, so we have, um, our website, which is www.loveguides.us. So love okay. guides us, which, um, I think we've, we may have touched and not said the word love, but really that's like the container for kind of the yeah. world of this work and, and what we hope to build a community around and, uh, and what we see as happening, uh, so we're going to continue to have retreats. Um, mm-hmm. There's one coming up later this year. We have on our website. There's a calendar. We have um, some events already scheduled for next year. Michael has a, ski- a speaking event. Uh, if you're in the Bay Area and Marin, at a at a, is it the Whole Life Expo? Michael in uh, in Marin in April. So uh, definitely check the website. And one uh, immediate thing someone could do is. Reach out. Michael does a free consultation um, to see if there's good partnerships uh, working and if he could assist and uh, support. Also, buy the book. That's a really great way to connect with us.
2: Yes, um, and this is the book, yeah. the the inside guide. This is the book you can get it on Amazon. Is that the preferred place for people to buy the book? Is Amazon
3: yes. okay? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so just just to um, the. The virtual gatherings we're doing are once a month. So we got um, scheduled out for the, re- they'll be they'll be monthly. Um, mm-hmm. I think the next one is October 19th. And again, mm-hmm. those are on the website. And then the next um, retreat event is an all day event. And that's a full day. If you're in the San Francisco Bay area, um, that's gonna be in San Francisco on November 11th. And awesome. so we welcome anyone that wants to explore, to go deeper, to, shift things that are getting in the way to have a better experience, to begin to feel inspired and and tap into the wonderful greatness of you and, and
0: your purpose for being here. (laughs) It's so great. Yeah. So, so we said the word purpose a lot. Um, but I think, I, I I mean, if it's okay with you guys to bring you back, talk about purpose. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people don't even, I mean, What is my purpose? How do I get there? How do I find out? How do I know? Um, right. So, well, it starts. I'd love to talk. I'd love to dedicate a whole episode to that. Oh,
3: you're talking about another. I was going to jump right into it, but (laughs) Uh, give us a preview. Yeah. (laughs) Well, purpose comes from your passion, so it starts from the things you're really passionate and interested in, and then also where your gifts align with that too. Right, and so there's an alignment. And I think a lot of people think you have to have this grandiose mission, like, okay, I have to, but mm-hmm. it, it really starts on a day-to-day basis of how you begin to live out that passion and the things you're really interested in. And following, following that clue, putting those puzzle pieces together, because I think once you start the, the journey of purpose, it really is a puzzle and it's really an un- unfolding of like, okay, what am I really here to do? Really, really? I mean, yeah, I have these, these roles in this life and I'm a parent or I'm a partner, you know, but those, those are roles and deeper, you know, it could be, okay, Yeah, I'm here to raise my family and, and create a beautiful, loving environment for that. That's, that could be part of my purpose, but maybe there's more, maybe there's more to it. Right. Because we see like, like, a lot of empty nesters who, you know, they've been invested in their role as a parent and then the kids leave and they're like, I have this sense of unfulfillment, what's going on, right? So there has to be something more, something greater that, and usually it comes from those those clues in, in what we're passionate about.
1: Awesome. What just gets you excited? I mean, yeah. what things do you think about that get you really jazzed? And, and it's, I mean, when Michael and I wrote the book, it was a year and you know, somebody could look back and say, gosh, it was a lot of work, but it wasn't work. It was like these amazing conversations and this development of this relationship and, you know, finding, I always knew that I love this type of of work. And and so this aligns with my purpose. And I've always been like a networker communicator relationship um, person. And so this, this showed up as an opportunity to live out my purpose, but I do so in my banking job. Also, it's like, I'm serving communities through my job. I'm connecting people in my day to day job. And um, so it's, it, the purpose doesn't mean like you're on, again, on a mountaintop somewhere. It's, you know, living in like a vocation that, that you're, um, excited about or, or ha- hobbies and things that really get you jazzed. That's a way to start exploring, like, gosh, is, is that tied to my purpose? But I, when I always ask, like, what gets you excited? You could just see, all of a sudden the wheels turning and a little smile on someone's face. And it's like, yeah, go follow that. Go, go investigate that some more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and another thing we didn't talk about at all, but I think we really touched on it. And again, it's probably very individualistic. Well, we know it is, and that is what is success? You know, is that finding your purpose and, and, and going after it? Is that working on yourself and, you know, removing those limiting beliefs, you know, what is it? And I think it's different for everybody, but, um, I'd like to hear your perspective on what is success.
3: Well, it is different for everyone, but I would ask what is the feeling of success? Regardless of the circumstances of your success, what does it feel like when you have success inside. And can you begin to tap into that feeling of success? Maybe you're not quite as far as you want to be, right? We still, I'm not done with the journey, right? I got a long ways to go. We got goals, we got intentions, plans, right? But I can feel like a success where I'm at and root on my journey, right? It's, and to me, it's a, it's a feeling of joy. Like, I'm just, I love what I do, you know, so I'm successful. Like that's enough.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Awesome. Marcy putting you on the spot.
1: Oh, thanks. Um, to me, it's, <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> to me, it's, it's living that life of ease and flow and peace. And it's not high highs or, you know, which again, talking about duality, there's low lows that sometimes come with trying to achieve this, this like, you know, um, like gathering of things or stuff or whatever that, that thing is. So I'm now back in the middle of successes. If I'm feeling peaceful and love and spending time with people that I love having conversations like this, um, and being in this space, um, day to day, this isn't, this isn't, you know, we, we talked about mountaintop at the beginning. This isn't about I'm going to do this for a weekend and then come back and live a crappy life that I'm, you know, stomping around and unhappy. It's like living. I'm feeling successful if I could live with this feeling in this space every day. And the other mm-hmm. stuff will come, like, no doubt about it. I know it like I know it, the, the you know, financial success, the stability, the, you know, health, well-being, it's like those come, in, come and go. But I know that is, uh, is closely connected to holding this state.
2: Like that. All right,
0: thanks. Anything else you want to ask Megan?
2: No, I think or anything
0: I you guys want to add. Yeah. I feel like we only touched on like one third of the book. Maybe, I know so. there's <laughs> so much.
2: Yeah. And I need to go back and read it again. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. It's, it's,
3: it's got a lot of content. Um,
2: mm-hmm. we're, uh-huh. we're
3: kind of considering in a revised version of uh, maybe uh, a way that it's a uh, it's it's a commitment to read the book, really, because you're going to go on a journey, mm-hmm. and you're going to start to really have some insights in yourself as, as you take that journey, right? And that's, so that was our intention. Mm-hmm. We want we want people we want people to really go for it and break through the stuff that's holding you back. Feel that inspired life. Feel what's possible for for you, because it's it's available.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool all right well thank you guys for being on for an hour and 45 minutes wow. yeah wow well, oh my this,
2: gosh has it been yeah. that long
3: this is our <laughs> longest podcast but it felt like a brief like just 45 minutes or so we just we, well, we really well,
0: went that's how it. good conversations go right yeah. you guys yeah, were yeah. awesome
2: yeah thank you so much for being here
0: oh yeah, so thanks great for having us and, and yeah. so great thank and you And again if, if if you if you guys Feel like you got value out of this in any way whatsoever? Please come back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'd sure. love to
0: have you on again because there's so. Mu- I mean, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, right. we'll come we yeah. back as much as you want because this is this is
3: just a pure joy for for both of us. I know I can speak for Marcy there too, and you guys awesome. just there was a real synergy and I felt a, a real connection with you guys so yeah we'll come back as much as you want yeah. we're, we're oh my to. gosh thank <laughs> awesome. you so much for yeah. saying that awesome. yeah
2: it was yeah. it was really great and i am a huge fan you know and we've had we've done a few of these so far but i was really excited about this because i am a true mm-hmm. fan of this yeah. book and um yeah so just yeah thank you great
0: thank, thank you so much thank you all,
2: right. thank you all. see you guys
0: okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>